morning. Grace and peace to you. When you're out there on the web, you know, you've got to be careful sometimes what you put on the, on the tape, on the disc. I want to echo uh, Mike's announcement and uh, Dawn's prayer about the uh, Loop Festival. So appreciate all those who helped out in any way and even you who prayed for uh, opportunities, as we had said, as we were planning. And again, uh, that the Bibles would be opened and read, the Bible storybooks would be read to the children, the DVDs would be watched, and minds, hearts, and souls would be open to those truths, and uh, people would be drawn to the Lord. So uh, again, thank you. Start with 1 Timothy 6. Uh, Frank's a little nervous about how many scriptures are on the page, so... <laughs> We're in good shape, Frank. Flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We've been talking about this a lot in our Bible class with studying Revelation. We are in a fight. The church has always been in a fight. God's people have always been in a fight. In fact, God has been in a fight from the beginning. There was war in heaven, we read in Revelation. Satan rebelled, and many of the angels fell with him. And it's been a fight ever since. And that fight has been played out on the earth because the devil has been thrown down here, and he's upset, and he's mad. And he's a defeated enemy, but he's still around, running around, hurting people, hurting you and hurting me. Almost every week we see the evil effects. Don mentioned them, some in his prayer, of the evil that's out there, the murders, kidnaps, shooting, child abuse, abortions, sexual assaults, terrorist attacks. And then even these ideas, you know... Uh, there is no God, keeping God and prayer uh, out of the public square, out of the schools, separation of church and state, uh, eroding of freedom of religion, attacks on Christians. That's all Satan-based. He's behind it all. We combat the evil of the world. These things happen. They're out there. Sometimes they are very personal to us. Illnesses, disease, and so forth and so on. And then we also have that evil within ourselves. That struggle to do what's right. Those temptations. We have the, we're tempted to do the wrong thing. We're tempted at times, whatever. To lie, to waste time, to hurt others, to, uh, you know, whatever it is, tempt you or hurt you, uh, that you want to get even with people, these kinds of things. 
And oftentimes the temptation is more that we, uh, we don't want to do what's right. We know what to do. You know, Paul writes in Romans 7, I know the thing I want to do, but I don't do it. To help out. You see somebody in need, but you say, oh, I'm, you know, I'll let that pass. We, we really struggle sometimes with really choosing to do what's right when we know what's right to do. So we have these temptations within and without. We know God wins the struggle. We're told that in the scriptures. He will win out in the end. Christ has overcome Satan. He's overcome the evil one, but the battle goes on. And we want to talk today about winning the fight. And uh, I'm going to draw some comparisons between David and Christ. And I think you'll find these most interesting and most encouraging to build you up in your faith and in this fight that we have against evil, however it's playing out in your life. And believe me, it's in your life. Uh, sometimes the devil's attacks are very, very subtle. And you have to know the word and know yourself to know what he's trying to do. And sometimes, bam, it's just a head-on assault. And you have to recognize that he's behind that as well. So you need four things, at least, as I've laid out this lesson, four things to win the fight. And the first one is this, you need to have a righteous cause. Let's go to 1 Samuel 22. We're going to be going back and forth between 1 and 2 Samuel and the Gospels. You remember David was anointed to be king. Saul had failed. He was the first uh, anointed king of Israel. He had failed, and uh, he was told, you know, the kingdom is going to be taken from you and given to another, and Samuel went to Jesse's house and finally went through all the boys, uh, the first seven, and no, God says, no, that's none of them. And then you remember, he said, he looked at, looks at the heart, and David was brought from keeping the sheep, and he was the one, and he was anointed but then, uh, you know, he wasn't immediately made king. He served, actually, in Saul's court. He was pleasing to Saul for a while, and then he began to have success, especially after he took down Goliath. And Saul got jealous, and then Saul began to want to take David's life. And Saul, or David was on the run for many years from Saul, uh, even though he was the anointed one to take Saul's place. So that's where, where we are here in 1 Samuel 22. Uh, David has escaped from Saul, and he's on the run, and you know, he's hid out in caves and various places. He even went and served the Philistines for a while, if you can believe it, but he did. But let's read this. It says, So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. It's a ragtag group of people, but they were seeing David 
as putting forward a just cause. These were those who were exploited, oppressed, discontented with life. You might, they were the ones who probably said, we got a raw deal, okay? We got a raw deal in life. And they see that David also was getting a raw deal because he was a king's anointed, yet Saul was trying to kill him. And they were wanting to follow David because they saw in him someone who would give them hope, someone who would treat them honorably, who would listen to them, listen to their problems, take them in, and treat them as human beings. Treat them right. He gave them hope, and the people came to him. And they came to him over time, and eventually the entire Israel and Judah did make him king. They saw that he was in, as we would say, the same boat as them, that he could identify with them. He was promising them better things. He cared about them, and they knew it. And so they came to David for relief, for help, and for hope. Let's go to Matthew 11. You know, when you do these kinds of studies, you know, how do I want to say this? The jaws of our understanding should just drop open to see the connections that God makes in Scripture and understand that he's behind all these things. Jesus' cause was righteous. Notice his words here in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That sound a lot like what we just read in First Samuel. All the discontented and the troubled and so forth. It's exactly the same thing. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I will not lay on you all the burdens and the tasks and the troubles that the world will and does. That's what Jesus is saying here. My yoke is easy. You'll find rest with me. Will things still happen? Yes, they will. But you will have that peace that you need to deal with all these things. In Jesus' day, just like in David's day, and just like in our day, people labored under the loads of life. Creditors, unscrupulous businessmen, tax collectors taking advantage broken vows and promises, friends who said, I'll help you, and they never showed up, wives or husbands who just walked out, or maybe they were present when they were really absent, disease, guilt of their own sin, knowing they've fallen short in all of life. What do we do? If things are really good in a person's life, 
makes it more difficult to turn to the Lord. Remember the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler. Came to Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Well, keep the commandments, this one, this one, this one. He said, I've done that. You got a bigger problem. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. When everything is good, you know, you've got food on the table and you've got good health and you're able to do everything that you like to do. It's really hard to see that you need God. We pray for breakthroughs so that, so that people will see that they need God. You know, in this land of abundance where we have so much. And even sometimes Christian, you know, God is just... He's an aside, you know, he's like a side dish at the meal. Yeah, we'll have God on Sunday, but the rest of the time, you know, is mine. I'll do what I want. And it's such a difficult thing. It's Jesus that gives hope, real hope. He helps us to endure. He guarantees the future. He has a righteous and just cause, and his invitation still stands. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's the invitation. So it's a just cause that Jesus enlists us to. We need that just cause. If you're fighting for a cause that isn't right, it's going to fail. You see people rally, like Don prayed about the shooting. See the congressman out there lying, wounded. That's not right. People rallied. You know, even the opposition for a while said, that's not right. We're, we're in this together. And when you see things that aren't right, you want to rally to that. And this is what Jesus is trying to say. And we're, we're in this fight. We're in this fight against evil. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Come to me. Fight on my side. Our second thought, we go back to 1 Samuel 17, to win this fight, we need absolute trust in God. 1 Samuel 17, 45, here is, you'll remember it, David facing Goliath. You love the story, kids love the story, you know the story. But David's trust here was completely in the Lord. You know, he's walking down in that valley. He's spoken. He said, you know, who is this defying the armies of the living God, the holy God? Let's let the scriptures read for us. Tell us. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. I come to you with my sling. No, he didn't say that, did he? He didn't say that. Even though he was skilled, highly skilled with a sling. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. That was David's strength. That was David's purpose. This day the Lord 
will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Absolute and total trust in God. He knew the battle wasn't about the weapons. That wasn't it at all. He didn't read it in the Psalms. How many Psalms he writes says, don't trust in the horses, don't trust in the chariots, don't trust in men. Trust only in God. Jesus trusted in his Father. Luke 23. All through this gospel, we don't have time to read them all, Frank. All the places Jesus trusted in the Lord. He says, I only do the things my Father tells me to do. How many times he prayed to his Father, he wanted guidance, and so forth. And, uh, you know, beginning in his baptism with every encounter with his enemies, his teaching clearly showed it. He absolutely trusted the Father to guide him through life. He didn't want to do anything that his Father didn't want him to do. He didn't want to hurt his Father or disobey his Father. Every choice he made, he chose for the Father. Gethsemane. Gethsemane. He struggled with the will of his Father to drink the cup, which was the cross, the suffering of the cross. But he was trusting that his God would be with him, that his Father would be with him through the ordeal when he said that. Peter writes that he entrusted himself to his father when he went to the cross. Peter writes that. And here the, the final thing here, we just kind of summed it up in Luke 23 and, and 46 when he was on the cross. And it says, And Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Trusting he had done the will of his father, and then trusting even more that his father would raise him up from the dead. That's what he's talking about here. Into your hands I commit my spirit. I've trusted you all my life. In my death I'm going to trust you because I've served you and served you faithfully that you will raise me up. And of course God did that. Then we look in Mark 11, 22. Word for us. Word for us. Righteous cause. We're serving the Christ. We're in this fight against evil, to overcome evil. Jesus answered, saying to them, this is when he was about to face the cross, have faith in God, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes that he has, that he, what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. He's talking about prayer, I know. But that little sentence, have faith in God, applies to the Christian walk. Do you trust God with your life? Do you trust God he will do the right thing? Do you trust God he'll never forsake you? Do you trust his word enough, the word that's written here, to do it no matter what it will cost you? No matter what trouble it might bring into your life. No matter when you're looking at what's going on around you and say, I don't understand this, but Lord, I'm going to go ahead and do what you want me to do. Do you trust God that much? That's the kind of trust we have to have in God to win this fight. To put away evil from our lives and to stand against that which is, which is wrong that which causes us hurt and other people hurt. Some of us uh, encountered that at, at the Loop Festival. You know, it isn't always easy to talk with folks. We shy away. I won't say we're ashamed. Sometimes it is that. But we're fearful. We, don't know, we say we don't know what to say. We're afraid of what the reaction might be, or the response, we won't have an answer, and so forth and so on. But do you trust God when he says, go and tell the gospel that he'll be with you, that he'll help you through any situation? Do you trust God? Don just prayed about people in our family Biological family, this church family, straying away, never obeyed the gospel, need to come back. Do you think about calling them, visiting them? Are you afraid what to say? Trust God. Get in there and fight that fight. It's a righteous cause. Trust God. Third thought. 2 Samuel 23. David surrounded himself with good men, good fighters. Now, if you look at that reading, we're not going to read it all, okay? We're not going to read down through all those names, but I want to encourage you to do that. These are all real people whom David had on his side fighting for him. He had what they called the 30, you know, the cream of the crop, and then there were the three, the very stars, you know, the world famous, the best. And it's amazing to look at this list of men who fought with and for David. We're just going to look at a couple of them here. And we see in all of them, I see three things, talking about good people. They had skill in what they did. They had courage. All right? 
They were not afraid to get in there. They were not saying, I'm going to save my life. I ain't getting in there. No. Like those two police officers that jumped in there to fight off that shooter. And they also were devoted to David. Fully and completely devoted to this man. That's how you win a fight. Verse 18, look at this. Abishai, an example of skill. The brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief of the 30. He swung his spear against 300 and killed them and had a name as well as the three. You know, killing people with a spear is not an easy thing. I would say that would be more difficult than using a sword or a battle axe, certainly than a machine gun. But he used a spear and killed 300. That's skill. Verse 11 and 12. Now after him was Shammah, the son of Agiah Hararite, and the Philistines were gathered into a troop where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, it's beans of some sort, and the people fled from the Philistine. The people fled. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot, defended it, and struck the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Note again, the Lord did it. Here's this guy, Shammah. He's the only one that doesn't run stands his ground in the middle of this bean field and fights the Philistines. That's courage. That's courage. That's the kind of men that served David. And he picked them out. He knew them. He trained them. Verses 15 to 17, devoted to David. David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. That's devotion to David. They risked their lives to get him a drink of water from a certain well just because he happened to say it. Oh, I'd love to have a drink from the well at Bethlehem because he knew the water there was really good. That's devotion. No wonder David won all the fights he was in. Give me ten men. Give me ten people who will fight or work as opposed to 100 who will just sit around and do nothing and look nice. Give me ten. Jesus chose 12. Luke 6. See some parallels here? It was at this time he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God and when day came 
He called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also named as apostles. Simon, whom he also called, named Peter. And Andrew's brother. And James and John and Philip and Bartholomew. Real men, not just names on a page. These were real men in their time. Fisherman, tax collector, rabble rouser. He chose them. And Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who was called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. He trained them for three and a half years or so. They were devoted to him, save Judas. And they were extremely courageous when they went out into the world with the gospel and risked their lives. And all of them, according to tradition, save one, actually died proclaiming the gospel. But they got it out there. And that's what Jesus wanted them to do. And you can see the effects of that ever since the gospel has spread to all countries and nations and peoples. We all need good people in our lives to help us in this fight. I don't know if your parents helped you in this fight or not. I pray that they did. If you are a parent, please help your child in this fight. Train them in the ways of God, in the ways of the Lord Jesus. Bring them up in the right way. If you have a spouse, you should be working together in this fight, helping each other. teaching one another, asking one another, how am I doing, where, am I, where are my weaknesses, and so forth. Teachers, elders, ministers, friends, we need them in this fight. We need good people to help us. And then in Matthew 9, every congregation, Jesus said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. That needs to be our prayer. We saw some, some workers over the weekend going out there and trying to sow some seed, passing out the word of God. And again, we thank you. But we need this prayer to be answered. That's how we win. Good people. Skilled in the word of God. Not afraid to fight. And devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Willing to give their life. In fact, Jesus said, if you uh, want to save your own life, you're going to lose it, didn't he? He didn't necessarily mean you were going to be beheaded. Although we see that even happening today in the world. Some who stand for Christ, are being beheaded and tortured for him, but not necessarily, but we are called to sacrifice and give, aren't we? And give up. Because we're devoted to him. And our last thought. We need great leaders. 1 Samuel 18 and 5 about David. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul set him over the men of war, 
and it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. It happened as they were coming and when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Down in the same chapter, verse 14, David was prospering in all his ways, for the Lord was with him. There's a key again. He trusted God. He walked with God. When Saul saw that he was prospering greatly, he dreaded him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, and he went out and came in before them. He was a great leader. He became a greater leader. He inspired the people. They wanted to be with him. They wanted him to lead them. They wanted to follow him. He was a man of God, and it showed. We need great leaders today. We'll wrap up in John 6. Jesus, do I have to say it, was a great leader? It still is, the greatest. I could have picked several scriptures here, but I chose this one out of John 6 because Jesus was here teaching, and he was teaching some difficult things. The one in particular about you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you don't do that, you got no part in me, and so forth, and it says there that some of the people say, well, this is a hard saying. Difficult. Whether they were saying it was difficult to understand or it was difficult to accept or difficult to do. Any three of those can cause us to turn away. Oftentimes it's difficult to do, but Jesus calls us to do some difficult things. Forgive. Love your enemies, present your body as a living sacrifice, etc., etc. All those things. But verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Of course, Jesus never backed off. He never changed the word, the requirements, or the challenge. He wouldn't do that. It's all or nothing. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? What a moment that must have been. It could have all unraveled right there. If the twelve had said, yeah, it's too hard for us too. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. <coughs> Excuse me. They knew that. And they had become devoted to Jesus. He was a great leader. They could see it in his person. They could hear it in his talk. In the way he carried himself and the way he ministered to people. He did what he said, and he said what he did.
if Jesus Christ doesn't command your allegiance after you read through the Gospels, <clears throat> I don't know who will. He's the Son of God, the Son of Man. He gave his life. The author, some translations say in Hebrew, is the captain of our salvation. We need him, and you need him as your leader in this fight. We need that great leader. We have the righteous cause. We need to trust in God. We have the good people in our lives to help us to win the fight. God assembles such in his body throughout the earth, those to follow him, to win this fight and to bring more people to him. Don't know what's in your mind or heart this morning. You're a Christian? Are you following the Lord? Are you fully and completely devoted to him in all of life and all things? Ready to sacrifice and give up whatever he calls you to do? I can't answer that for you. If you'd like prayer this morning, we'd be happy to pray with you. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus, we can help you do that. If you're not a Christian this morning and you want to take on this great fight, with the help of the Lord, to accept him as your leader, your Lord, and your Savior. We're here to assist you with that. Brother Jim's going to lead us in the song. If you want to respond, please come while we stand and sing. <clears throat>